Are you one of the 80% that seeks to improve your career, organize your life, discover your purpose, create direction, and become unbelievably successful? Are you a small to medium service-based business that desires to strategically grow, scale, and improve in order to exponentially improve your profit bottom line? John Knotts with Crosscutter Enterprises is a personal and professional business coach and consultant with over 30 years of experience in military, nonprofit, and commercial coaching and consulting. John brings his extensive background in strategy, change process, leadership, management, human capital, training, education, innovation, design, and communication to bear with every client. As a success incubator, your success is John's success. Contact John at crossctr.com. That's crossctr.com to discuss how he can help you succeed today. Welcome to Digital Connections, where we bring in expert advice to connect you with the services and resources to build a successful business and ultimately to create the life of your dreams. This show is for entrepreneurs, business owners, and anyone interested in running a side hustle to their current nine to five. One episode at a time, we help you build a successful business through amazing digital connections. I'm your host, Nancy Johnson, a business owner and digital marketer. On my way here, I have found amazing resources that have helped me grow my business and they can help your business through too. Everyone needs a friend in digital marketing because digital marketing is about connecting people. So my friends, today we are talking about personal and professional business success. What does that look like? How do we get there? Who can help us along that journey? Well, this is what that sh- this is what the show is all about and what I want to bring to my listeners. This is why I started this podcast. This is why I'm always looking for ways to connect to amazing people who sell amazing products and services. A great example are the connections that I make through Business Networking International or BNI. But of course, I am a digital marketer, so I am out on search engines. I actively participate in my social media networks. And a large part of this for me is my, are my connections on LinkedIn. I don't just make connections and then let them sit there. I reach out to them for actual conversations, and some of them reach out to me. And some of those connections then connect me with other amazing people. And for me, this is a huge part of my success in my business. For me, it is all about connection. And LinkedIn is a great place to help foster that. It's also where I met my current guest. So John Knotts is called an operational success incubator. He's a coach and consultant with Crosscutter Enterprises with over 30 years of experience in military, nonprofit, and commercial leadership, coaching, and consulting. He has an extensive background in strategy, change, process, leadership, management, human capital, training and education, innovation, design, and communication. John is a 21-year Air Force veteran, a former consultant with Booz Allen Hamilton, and was a strategic business advisor with Fortune 100 Company USAA. He's a doctoral student in the field of industrial and organizational, organizational psychology. He's a Lean Six Sigma Master Black Belt, Change Management Advanced Practitioner, 21-year Toastmaster. He's a professional professor, three-time published author, and accomplished speaker. But ultimately, John helps individuals and businesses become everything that they dreamed of being through tailored strategic coaching and consulting engagements, designed specifically to fit each and every one of his clients. He knows what it takes to personally and professionally succeed in a volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous world, which is exactly why I invited him here today. So, John, that was quite a mouthful. Welcome to the show. (laughs) 
Well, you could add in that I'm a seven-time business owner as well. (laughs) There's a lot that we could add in about you, John, really. (laughs) Seriously. After a few years, you start Start to stack that stuff up. Start off by telling me what a success incubator is. So my... I believe everybody should have a vision for where they are, what they're trying to focus on doing, whether it's individually or as a business. Okay. And I've worked with a lot of businesses and worked with them developing visions. And I realized that people need them just as importantly as a business needs them. My vision is that I will leave nothing but success in my wake. Mm. And the meaning of that is that every conversation that I have. I want to be giving value. I want to be sharing, teaching, and people walking away from those conversations going, oh my God, like I got to talk to that guy again. So out of that was born this concept of I incubate success. Your success, your success on this show, your success in presenting to your listeners is my success. It's the way I look at it. So everything I do reflects on what I'm trying to help people achieve. That's awesome. Well, and actually, it kind of brings me to my second question, which is, you know, what is the difference between personal business success and professional business success? That's a great question. So I, for many years, I focused on business. I grew up in this world in the military. That's where I started as a internal coaching consultant in 1998. And I was working with senior executive leaders, so officers and senior NCOs, helping them run their business, what they were handed, what they were given better. And as I evolved through this, working with Booz Allen and eventually with USA, I recognized that there's a personal aspect as well as a business aspect or a Mm. professional aspect. So when I think about a professional, when I think about myself as a professional coach and consultant, I'm working with businesses to help them grow, scale, and improve. And the emphasis is on the bottom line, that they're doubling or tripling their net profits. Mm. A lot of people focus on the revenues. And I, although those are important, I really want to focus on what are you taking home at the end of the day? And then from a personal perspective, and this really came out during COVID where I really, I can tell you that I I was in NUMI as a coach and I saw that 85 to 90% of the request for coaching was not in business. It was in career coaching. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And people that they want to improve their career, they want to organize their lives you realize that less than 80 or yeah, less than there are, there are less or over 85 people, 85% of people, sorry, I got all that screwed up <laughs> that do not know what their purpose is in life. Mm. And it's, it's not hard to figure this out. It takes a little bit of work, but it's not that hard. And with purpose, then finding that vision that I talked about, establishing a direction, where are we today? Where are we going? And then being held accountable to what I call becoming unbelievably successful. So that's my focus of both personal and professional. And from a coach perspective, I provide advice. When I'm coaching, I'm advising. You do with it what you want, but I can't force you to make that happen. I'm going to try to hold you accountable and I'm going to Mm -hmm. remind you and ask you why it's not working. And we're going to talk about that, but I still can't do it for you. As a consultant, However, and this, these are my definitions. A lot of people don't necessarily agree with that, but that's okay. But as a consultant, I'm not only advising, but I'm actually turning the wrenches. And it's because mm-hmm. I know how to do that. So if I give somebody advice, it's not because I read it in a book, although I might have, but I've <laughs> also done it. I've done it with a lot of different organizations. I've done it with my own organizations. Mm-hmm. So I know how to actually do that. If I'm going to recommend something, it's something that I'm ready to step in if they say, that's a great idea, but I don't have the man bandwidth to do it. Can you do it for me? And I'm like, sure. As a consultant, I'll do that. Mm-hmm. 
Well, so in all of that reading and all of this understanding and all of the uh, knowledge that you've gained, then uh, is it actually possible for professionals to not only like improve their careers, organize their lives, find purpose, create a vision and direction and become successful, you know, like really successful? Is that even, you know, possible? I absolutely agree. It's possible. So <laughs> 21 years ago in 2000, actually in 98, I retrained from being a cop to going into manpower and quality in the Air Force. Mm. That's where I became an internal coaching consultant for the Air Force. I didn't know anything. I mean, I was brand new in this. Just like everybody, we all start out what we call just educated enough to pass. We're a Jeep. <laughs> and in 2000, I was researching some of the process improvement tools that I had learned about, and I wanted to understand more. And I stumbled across this thing called a Venn diagram. Mm. Now, I don't know if you've heard of the term or your listeners have heard of the term, but basically it's a series of overlapping circles. And this one has, this specific Venn diagram has four. And in those circles, it lists what are you good at? What do you like to do? What do people need? And what are people willing to pay for? Mm. And when you have something that fits in all of those circles, you have found your purpose. Now, here over the last few years, there has been this movement to refer to that as an ikigai. Ikigai means it's a Japanese word meaning reason for being. So that has become kind of the thing. If you look up Ikigai, you will find this purpose diagram. Mm -hmm. Something I found back you know, in the late, late 90s, right before 2000. Out of that, I developed a plan, what I wanted to do with my life. And I, I had run into a retired master sergeant who was an expat in Germany. And he was in Toastmasters. I had just started in Toastmasters, which I've now been involved with for 21 years. And he made a comment that him and his wife were not going to be at the next meeting because they were going on a cruise. And I said, why? I love going on cruises. I had only been on one, but I loved it. <laughs> And he looked right at me, just dead in my face. And he goes, yeah, the cruise line, they pay me six to eight times a year to go on a cruise by giving me a free cruise. So I just speak twice on that cruise <laughs> and they give me that cruise for free from my wife and I. <laughs> I'm like, really? <laughs> what a neat idea. So basically you're getting paid to speak. now. I didn't know that much about public speakers at the time, but I was like, I want to do that. I want people to pay me to do the things I really want to do. And I like to play golf. I like to take pictures. I like to travel and sightsee. Like, how can I get somebody to do that? And I realized that if I could get organizations to pay me to travel to their business, come and speak to their people and pay me enough to be able to stay a week in that area, that I could do all the things that I enjoy on their dime. So I started asking myself, what would I have to look like for that to happen? And all those things that you listed in the introduction, those, those didn't exist in 2000. I didn't have an associate's degree. I had just become an internal coaching consultant. I was just learning about things like process improvement, strategic planning. I wasn't a black belt or a master black belt for that matter. Wow. Mm -hmm. It took years to be able to get there, but mm -hmm. I developed a plan. What I refer to now as a personal strategic plan, PSP. Mm -hmm. And I work with people to help them define that thing that I found on my own, reading books and trying to figure this stuff out. Now I work with people to kind of leapfrog them into that and then develop that plan. And I've been working through six major goal areas. I hate the word goal. 
goal is so finite. I like goal mm-hmm. area. It's a big, huge thing. You can drive a semi-truck or a fleet of them through, mm. but there's objectives to achieve those goal, that goal area. Mm-hmm. And you're constantly working. You're constantly trying to become better, get closer to the brass ring, which is always moving away from you because that's the law of relativity. Mm. The more you yeah. are, the more you figure out it's further away. I love that goal area concept because so often our goals do change. And if you don't have that flexibility in there to be able to maneuver around that and you say, I have to have, this is the one that I have to have. A lot of times you miss what could have been just as good as the goal that you had, you know? Another thing that I see is that the goal is absent of purpose. I want to lose 10 pounds. It's my goal. Why? Uh, I don't know. I I guess I want to look better. Why? Well, um, I feel better. (laughs) When you know your why, when you know what you're trying to achieve, your goals get so much more powerful. Mm. But people, we create goals because we're told we should create goals. Mm. And they're not tied to anything. And that isn't very exciting. And then what happens if you actually achieve these goals? What do I do next? Mm. Because there's not another thing. But when you think about things as a goal area, and I've got a bunch of objectives that I'm working on. So one of my goal areas was to be a published author. Mm -hmm. All good speakers have a book, right? And when I started to get close to publishing my first book, I had noticed that there was this guy that I respected here in the local San Antonio, Texas area, who spoke a lot. And he spoke from a three-book series, professional uh, business books. And he always changed the title, but the topic, the speech was always the same. (laughs) And I had heard this guy like five times, and I'm like, This guy doesn't have any other material. And it hit me that you just don't publish one book. Mm. You have to keep learning. You have to keep growing. And although I have three books out now, I'm working on my fourth, which is called Becoming Unbelievably Successful. And I have 16 books behind that, two of which I'm actively writing right now this year. Wow. (laughs) So, But it's because you don't stop. I'm I'm a big fan of Patrick Lencioni. And he's got like 16 books. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm going to break his record. <laughs> but it, I, you know, it's that kind of stuff. And we're the same age. So I'm like, I got a lot of catching <laughs> up to do. But I, I realized that a goal is so finite. Mm. Whereas when you start to think, one, I've got purpose. I know where I'm going. I have direction. Mm-hmm. And my goal areas are all aligned to that. Then I can work on stuff that moves me closer and closer. And every day I feel when I complete even a small thing, I know that it means something bigger. And that's how people succeed in life. That's how they grow. That's how they improve their careers. That's how they have purpose and direction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, changing directions just a little bit. Um, so one of the things that I originally talked to you about, um, was the difference between growth and scale. Um, and, um, so I'm hoping you can kind of elaborate on, you know, how you can successfully grow scale, um, in order to improve on and increase your bottom line basically right or your profits right um so it's it's a kind of a a slight direction change but i I think that it it sort of goes back to uh uh, what we're what we're ultimately talking about right what does success look like right and it's they are interrelated people succeeding in business versus businesses succeeding with people in it Mm. so there is a lot of interrelationship in there i specifically break out grow, scale, and improve as three completely separate things. Mm. A lot of times you'll hear people, they will talk about growth and scale as essentially the same thing, 
you're growing your business. It's just if you're scaling your business, you're growing in a different way. Well, a scale does what? It balances, right? That's all it does. It's just a balancing tool. I'm weighing out this over this. Mm -hmm. Growth is all about increasing your number of customers and building your revenue. But it, what it does when you create, when you add more customers, you make more money, which means you have more sales pumping through the pipeline. What happens is that you introduce complexity into your organization. Now, there are a lot of ways to grow. You can focus on just selling more. You can meddle with your prices. And that doesn't necessarily mean make things more expensive. You could lower the price which would encourage selling more. When I worked at USAA, that's how that was one of the dials they used for mortgages. They would adjust the rate. Oh, we have too many. Let's adjust that rate this way. Oh, and we need more. Let's adjust the rate this way. And you get more customers and less customers because of something like that. You might want to bundle. There's a lot of companies out there. I'm sure you've probably gotten phone calls from your phone provider. They want to bundle different services. Well, you can mm -hmm. bundle different things together. You can actually create recurring revenue. Recurring revenue is something where they just pay. So one of the things that I, my wife and I, we own a horse farm. Mm -hmm. One of our businesses. We have 100 acre, 42 acre, 42 horses on property. And we have recurring revenue models. People pay every month to board their horse here. We pretty much know what we're going to make every month. It's set. I have people that come here for lessons and we offer them 10 lessons. You buy 10 lessons up front, you get an 11th lesson free. I'm guaranteed 10 lessons paid out of this person. So I know that I'm okay. I, I now I can fully employ trainers because I have 15 people that just bought 10 lessons. Mm -hmm. And it, actually, they're getting that 11th one for free, but it's worth it because I have predictable revenue. Yeah. Re recurring revenue is a great way to increase growth in your organization. And sometimes mm -hmm. it's, you're already selling something and maybe there's a way you can turn it into a membership model or subscription or something. Mm -hmm. Scale, on the other hand, is I'm growing or I'm declining and I need to adjust. I need to balance my organization. When you grow, what happens is that complexity goes way up. So you need to look at things like your strategy. Mm. Maybe you don't even have one. Mm -hmm. You need to look at that. <laughs> you need to look at your operating model. How do you provide across your entire organization value to the customer? From the moment they're interested to when you sell the product and they have used it successfully everything that comes in. That's your operating model. Mm -hmm. And out of your operating model, it's basically this flow, orders for forces movement going across your organization. But out of that, then your organizational structure. A lot of people like to organize based off of people or just what they think is right. But in mm -hmm. reality, organizations should be structured based off of the, the function. It's a, this is a architectural design thing. It's called form meets function. Mm -hmm. A lot of times organizations are not organized correctly right. to be able to match that growth. Mm -hmm. they, they might need to completely change their model, become more matrixed, outsource, do something that is going to change the way you do business. Then you also need to look at like things like your operating system. What is an operating system? It's just like a computer. It's how your organization runs, how it makes decisions, how it sets and keeps goals, holds people accountable, recognizes people. Typically, you'll see this in like an EOS, Entrepreneurial Operating System from Traction, or the Four Disciplines of Execution out of Covey. Those are where those things come from. And then the last one is improvement. And although you are improving when you're scaling your organization, when I'm talking about our capital improvements, I need a new building. Mm. I need to improve. I need to expand the building. I need to reorganize the building. Mm -hmm. 
I need to build a warehouse. I need to establish a fleet of vehicles. I don't have that. Maybe it's maybe it's something like an organizational improvement. Mm-hmm. I need to I need to improve the culture in my organization. I need to strengthen it. Mm. I, I need I need to increase employee engagement. Those are done through improvement activities. I might need to improve the processes. I might need to improve the product or service that I sell or the good that I produce. And that's done through innovation, innovative tactics. But those are different than growing, scaling your organization. Mm -hmm. And all of them come into play. Yeah. Because all organizations are systems of systems. Right. Well, you just hit on one interesting point. So when I was working in uh, the corporate world as a communications manager, um, one of my top concerns uh, was in dealing with improving employee engagement. And it was always, you know, we had we had some strategies that we would employ, um, but it always felt like a challenge no matter what we were doing. So um, what are some key elements uh can you give can you give my listeners some advice in creating uh, that environment of employee engagement? Exactly. Employee engagement is exactly that. It's an environment. <laughs> you cannot force employees to be engaged. You can't do it. They have to make the decision to be engaged. So what you do is you create an environment that allows for engagement. Now, there are a lot of tools out there that will survey your organization and I'll tell you how engaged your employees are through some yeah. type of a, a, an assessment. Mm-hmm. And they're good. There's nothing wrong with them. But the problem is how they're used. Because then what pe- people do, leaders, managers, they end up chasing a number. Mm-hmm. They try to improve the thing that is low. It's totally ineffective. Because when you focus on something... I'm focusing on something and everything else going on around here. uh, I lost my focus. (laughs) So what I tell people is that there's four things that you have to focus on when it comes to engaging your employees, creating that environment. The first one, and it's the most important. If you don't have it, you'll never get good engagement is to have a strong mission and purpose in your organization. If your organization is designed to make money and that's the reason why you're in business, Mm -hmm. I bet you that most of your employees are not all that motivated to come to work every day. Mm -hmm. They're motivated to make money, but they're not motivated to do the work because it's not bigger than they are. People want to be part of something that's bigger than they are. How many people belong? I am a Detroit Lions fan. I'm from Michigan originally. (laughs) What? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) They're a terrible team but I will always support them. I want to be part of something that's bigger than me right now. They're not very big, but, but it's like, we, we, we get on the bandwagon. We want to be part of the rising star. So make mm-hmm. your organization a rising star. And it starts with establishing a mission, a purpose that is bigger than you. And when it's a, I refer to this often when I call it a self licking ice cream cone, mm-hmm. basically the, the mission and purpose is all about taking care of the organization itself, Mm -hmm. then you have it wrong. You need to rewrite that stuff. You need to rethink that stuff. And then you need to live it. The second thing is communication. Everybody wants communication. And let's say we all suck at it. Yeah. It's the hardest thing for anybody to do in an organization because you have to constantly do it. We have to always be communicating. So employees, they want open They want honest. They want transparency. They want to know. They want to be able to talk to the people to right and left of them. They want to be able to talk to the people above and below them Mm -hmm. openly, easily. If the boss doesn't come out and talk to people and their door is always shut and you can't even communicate with them, the engagement is going to falter. Yeah. The the third thing is development. Mm -hmm. We all want to be developed. We all want to feel like somebody's in our corner trying to help us grow. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're getting a $5,000 stipend to go to college. Mm -hmm. It means that the organization cares about your development. They have a development plan. You know what it takes to get to the next level. You know what it takes to get promoted. And 
you feel like somebody actually cares about you and is going to help you. When you have to go to school at noon, because that's the only time that that class is available, your boss is like, oh, yeah, absolutely. We'll cover for you, work a couple extra hours in the, the evening, and we're good. That's like, thanks. Yeah, the $5,000 is a good thing, but it's not. that's not what it really is all about. And the mm-hmm. last thing, and this is re- really important, have you ever worked in an organization where they delivered poor quality and the management didn't care? They didn't look mm. at it. Ah. Because this is one of the questions that's like on the Gallup 12. Is my coworkers deliver quality? Why are they asking that question? It's because they're looking to the left and right of them and going, these people are not doing it the same way I'm doing it, and I'm doing it right. Everybody's saying that because everybody does it right and everybody else does it wrong unless everybody does it the same way. And that requires standardization, that requires metrics, that requires accountability. And if you have those things, you start to deliver a quality product that all the employees are proud of. Mm. And they're proud to come to work and say, I, you know, quality's job one here. I work at Ford. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you have those four things, you will build engagement in your organization. And you don't need to focus on the numbers. Mm. Use the surveys, use the assessment tools to show you how you're improving. But focus on those four elements of engagement mm-hmm. and you will be successful in engaging your employees. I love that. That is great. So it kind of also brings us around to um, the strategies uh, that we use to run our businesses as well. Um, and I know, um, I think, you know, there's uh, what, five reasons that 70% of all strategies fail. Um, so how does how does a business overcome over, overcome that? So there was a back in the 90s, there was a article that talked about 70% of all strategies fail. And that number has not changed. As a matter of fact, that number's true on process improvements, not sticking, change management efforts, not mm-hmm. succeeding. <laughs> Project <The> 70- management failing. <laughs> employee engagement, mm-hmm. you know, 70% aren't engaged. It's like, it's like a magic number. Mm. It's a horrible number, but it's a magic number. But the reason why these strategies fail, one, because a strategy is bigger than just, you know, getting in a conference room and throwing some words, wordsmithing a mission and a vision that doesn't mean anything, and then coming out and saying, we have a strategy, we put it up on the wall, now let's get back to business. (laughs) That doesn't work. Mm. So there's five things that you have to do in your strategic planning. The first thing is you have to have an executable focus. That means your plan is actually designed to overcome the things that are preventing you from getting where you need to be. Mm. If you don't do an organizational assessment, you don't do a SWOT and an analysis, what I call the emerging insights, you don't know what's going wrong. So how can you actually overcome anything? Typically, what happens is you have a bunch of leaders that come in a conference room. They say, okay, we're going to build our strategic plan for the year. That's not very strategic. Sounds operational to me. (laughs) And then they go around the table and they say, okay, what are you working on? All right, Bill, you got that goal. (laughs) You know, I hate the word goals. And Sally, you have this goal. And and then, all right, we now have a plan. And these are the things you're working on. How is that strategic? It's not. Because it's not overcoming anything that's preventing you. It's just doing what you've always done. Yeah. So it's really just a business plan. Mm-hmm. The second thing is this the lack of strategic framework. Having a good mission, a good purpose, a good vision, great values that everybody's following, mm-hmm. established goal areas, objectives, initiatives, and actions. It's a structure. There's a framework to this thing. And then there's the third is traceable implementation. So there's actually a system that you're using to follow the implementation of your strategic plan and hold people accountable because that's the fourth thing is rigor and accountability. And part of that is that you properly fund. You can't do all this stuff if you don't fund it. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times they don't fund it. 
They don't back it. You don't empower your people and give them the tools necessary to implement the strategy. Strategy is going nowhere. And the last thing is communication. Well, we Mm -hmm. all suck at. (laughs) So you got to be really good at communicating the plan consistently and constantly. Yes. Mm -hmm. Because that's what, because all strategic planning is change. Mm -hmm. We're here and we want to go here. If you have a good vision and you know operational assessment, I know where I am. Sometimes they call it an environmental scan. And I know where I'm going and it's defined well, then I have a plan that I can now communicate. But that means change. Mm -hmm. And change fails when you don't communicate what's going on Mm -hmm. throughout the entire effort. Yeah. So those five things, that's what you need. I can't tell you how many times I've watched, you know, people, they expect, you know, they may even make this plan, right? They may make this strategy, but then they never communicate it with the people that are ultimately going to be implementing it. And at the end of the day, they're like, why didn't this work? You know, we were so clear on this, but were you, did you really even tell the people? (laughs) Who were you clear to? (laughs) Right. Amazing. (laughs) Well, so tell me, uh, you know, um, one of the things that I found interesting about your profile on LinkedIn is that you have about like 10 different positions. And one of them is fractional COO. And I have the ability to provide um, fractional CMO services to folks. So what is your advice to a growing company that is that wants to leverage um, a fractional C-suite personnel person? So I really get to the why do you want to do it, Mm. not really what do you want to do. Every small business, I wish that as well, I I wish this and we're actually I'm working on it, but there needs to be a package out there that new business owners can get involved with in some way where there is a fractional C-suite service offering. See, as a fractional COO, the first thing I look at is your strategic plan, your operating model, your organizational structure. I want to make sure that you're actually set up correctly to do what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't matter what I'm doing down the line. If this is wrong, then we have a problem. Mm-hmm. And then my number, my next thing is to really focus on breaking through the silos in the organization, all of mm-hmm. those different departments, breaking through that. But every, when you are at that level of fractional CMO, fractional CFO, fractional CIO, whatever it is, EIO, you, you actually know all the little things that you need to do to just set somebody up for success. Mm-hmm. So in a, C, in a CMO position, you'd be like, well, I'm going to develop you a marketing strategy. I'm going to make sure that you have a really solid web presence. I don't really, you know, like at this point, I don't really care about the whole SEO thing. That's a Mm -hmm. tactic, but I'm going to make sure you have a presence online. Everywhere somebody can find you, they're going to find you. I'm going to establish your funnel and how that you track people from the moment that they learn about something to they are passed over into the sales pipeline. Those things right there, that doesn't take a lot of time for a fractional CMO who's done right. this over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. But you can you imagine that you were to hand over this entire <laughs> system to the business owner and say, here you go. And you can outsource parts, parts of these here. You know, there's a whole strategy in here on what you should do, or you can just do it yourself. You can work mm-hmm. in the business and not on the business for a while. It's okay. But what happens is these business owners, they come in, they have nothing. Mm-hmm. And they struggle with the concept of marketing. There's 41 different ways to market. 41. Like that is overwhelming. Yeah. You you just say, oh, well, you need to do digital marketing. What the heck is that? (laughs) I don't even know what that is. (laughs) And then then you throw this thing SEO at me (laughs) and you want to pay-per-click and I've got to get a website up and running with what system? Come on, Word, what? WordPress? I don't even know what that is. So you can, they're confused. 
But mm-hmm. a fractional CMO for maybe 40 hours could come in and completely set everything up mm-hmm. and give them all of the structure they need, teach them how to use it, and say, here you go. It's the same thing with sales. You could have the whole sales pipeline. You could have a CRM set up. People are entered into, here's how you enter the people in the system. The same thing with finance. Here is your finance system. You know, we, we've got, mm-hmm. you know, QuickBooks set up. Here's all your categories. Here's how you do a budget every year. Here are the five reports that you need to look at every month. Here's mm-hmm. how you look at things on a daily basis if your business operates that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's a little bit of strategy and advice along the way. Mm-hmm. I can come back in as a CPA and I can do your taxes, which suck. <laughs> <laughs> Because business owners, they hate doing that stuff unless they're finance people. But I hate doing that stuff. Yeah, I hate doing it. It's not my pleasure. I'm a COO, not a CFO. But the, the thing is, is that there's so much opportunity for just a little bit of effort mm-hmm. for these businesses to be set up for ultimate success. I come in, I'm going to help you build a great strategic business plan. Mm-hmm. You're going to be set up. You can take that to the bank and you can get loans on it because they're going to look at it and go, we know exactly what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And this is what a C-suite can do for you. But it's not, you can't afford it. You can afford mm-hmm. it in minuscule. That's where yeah. the fractional comes in. And so many people, they want to hire, you know, a director of marketing. And that person comes in with tactics and they know this much of that much. Yeah. And they they will apply those tactics and they wonder why things aren't working. Why is mm-hmm. my marketing person not doing that well? Mm-hmm. They don't know anything about data analytics. They don't know anything about, you know, the strategy, setting up a strategy. But then they go, well, you need to do a strategy. I'm the director. You don't pay me to be a CMO. Right. I don't have the experience and all the years of knowledge and education, certifications, managing, you know, 50 people. Like, I just don't know that. And you expect that, but you you won't even pay for it. Mm -hmm. So that's why I I feel it's important that every business seek out fractional capability to build Mm -hmm. their business, start them off on the right foot. Yeah. Especially a small business. I think it's, I think it's so vital, Uh, you know, because a lot of them will say, I can't afford I can't afford a CMO. I can't afford a COO. No, they you can't. can't. <laughs> Those people, they want they want bonuses. They want ownership. Yeah. They, you know, they're getting paid a lot of money. You know, and the average starting cost for a COO in the United States, just across the entire nine United States, according to salary.com, is $250,000. Wow. Uh-huh. That's the average starting. Now, hmm. when I see on like Indeed or LinkedIn or something, a job where they're posting a COO and it's $90,000 a year, I know exactly what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. They're trying to cheap out and get mm-hmm. themselves what they need, but not pay for it. And that doesn't work. Find yourself somebody fractional who can come in for five hours out of the month mm-hmm. and do 50 hours worth of what work right. that director of operations or VP of operations might actually do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's well worth it. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, what is um, one suggestion uh, as far as, because I know, um, you know, a lot of what, what I talk about is uh, people going out within the digital marketing space and becoming thought leaders in their industry using that, you know, I use various techniques to improve their online presence, right? Um, do you have some direction from a coaching perspective? Um, how do people get out there to become thought leaders and industry experts? So it starts with education, certification, and experience. Mm-hmm. If you don't have those things, what are you talking about? Mm. Like if you don't at least, you haven't read, learned, and applied it, then it's it's going to come up fake. If you've read it, but you've never applied it, then the minute that you run into a stumbling block, somebody challenges the thought mm-hmm. because it doesn't always work. Theory doesn't always work everywhere. Mm-hmm. You're going to look stupid and you won't be a thought leader. But then once you have the education certification experience, then you get out there and you start writing. And I don't mean that you have to be a published author. That is a step. But you can just write for a magazine. 
Mm-hmm. Heck, you can blog. You can yeah. post on social media. I do it every day. Yeah. You you can speak. You can participate in podcasts. Mm-hmm. You can go to people and say, hey, you know, I have a message. I have something I think I, I know. And I'd like to share that to your listeners because I think it's going to add value to them. Mm-hmm. And you can teach. There's a lot of opportunities to teach. Some of it's for free, but it doesn't matter because mm-hmm. the more that you try to teach somebody, the more you learn. Yes. You don't want to look stupid up there on the podium <laughs> right? <laughs> at all. But those are the things yeah. that that's what builds thought leadership. That's what makes you the industry expert. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've talked about some of those on this show. So um, I know we're, we're kind of running out of time here, but um, do you have any uh, closing thoughts for my listeners? So we're coming out of COVID. Yes. And I like to call this, we're coming out of the COVID coma. Mm. <laughs> Businesses have been asleep mm-hmm. and they've just been waiting for the machine to stop keeping them alive, literally. So I have some things that I would recommend. Mm-hmm. One, you got to be decisive now. People really should have been decisive last year, but they yeah. weren't. They held on to cash. They didn't invest. They were scared. I don't blame them because nobody knew what was going on. But we are coming out of this. Be decisive. Take action. Hire experts. Get people involved and grow your company quickly. Yeah. Learn to be virtual because we're going to be in this forever now. Yeah. Too many people have like found out that this isn't such a bad thing. <laughs> so being virtual means that all of your processes and your systems have to be that way. Mm-hmm. You need to think about how you're going to do that in the future. Mm-hmm. This is this is going to happen again. Yeah. I don't care what it is, but it's going to happen again. And your, your business will be faced with a problem that is going to strain it. So preparedness, if this hasn't taught you anything, preparedness is very important. So we came out of, you know, Texas came out of COVID in pretty much January and we went mask, the masks came off in May on (laughs) Valentine's day, snowmageddon hit, (laughs) Texas froze. And businesses everywhere struggled. People struggled because they weren't prepared. Mm-hmm. So they didn't learn from COVID that you need to be prepared. Mm-hmm. We we need to we need to be innovative, and think about the customers' expectations. How many businesses do you know today that don't have curbside pickup? That yeah. don't have a delivery service. Those are the businesses that are going to fail in the future. Yeah, be- I went to a business today for lunch to pick up a lunch that I ordered online. The online system failed. I'm sitting in the parking lot waiting, text my little thing. All right, I'm at spot two and I'm waiting. And finally, somebody came out and they're like, what are you waiting for, sir? <laughs> my order. Here's my order right here. We never got that. Oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you got to be really good at the customer expectation because they're the way that they want to do business is changing. Yeah. And if you're not responsive to that. You're not going to keep up. And I said it earlier in this program, you better be looking at recurring revenue opportunities. Mm -hmm. One of my clients is a wine bar right here in the village of Bolverde. And she bought this wine bar from another person in February of 2020. And one month later, she was shut down. So in a normal business, that's failure. Yeah. Like she just invested all of her money in something and it's shut down. Mm-hmm. No idea when how long that's going to take. You know, the thing that saved that business is that the prior owner had a wine club with 330 spots, people paying money every month for two to four bottles of wine. That kept her alive. Yeah. And she was able to pay her employees. She had to take a little PPP, but... It's okay, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but she was able to manage and stay alive because of that recurring revenue. And now we've expanded that program with a hundred extra boxes in a high roller suite in a separate room. And we freed it up. She, she lost about a hundred customers out of the 330 
And within three months of reopening, she had a waiting list. She was 330 strong with a waiting list. And I said, we need to go into this building over here and we need to build a high roller suite. And these, these are people that pay a lot of money and they have leather chairs to sit on. And she did it. She opened up a hundred slots and she's, they're all full. Wow. That's great. Re- recurring revenue. That is going to save everybody's bacon in the future. Yeah. I like it. I like it a lot. All right. Well, John, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on to share all of this with my listeners. It's I, I so appreciate it. Um, before we take off today, I do want to leave our listeners with our digital marketing tip of the day. Just a reminder, you can find all of our past tips at www.tinyurl backslash DC tip of the day. So do you want to start building your reputation using social media and you just don't know where to start? Well, a great place can be with a good 30 day challenge. It brings in some of that consistency that we talk about, and it also allows you to start creating some of that original content that we talked about. So this particular 30 day challenge that I'm recommending is from constant contacts, and you can find it at www.tinyurl.com com backslash dc 30 day so a huge thanks again john uh he is with crosscutter enterprises you can find john at www.crossctr.com that's c-r-o-s-s-c-t-r.com please make sure to follow us subscribe and like us wherever you get your podcast you can find this episode and previous shows along with contact information for all my guests and for me at our website at www.digitalconnections.us. Have a great week and tune in next time for another amazing digital connection for your business. Would you like more return and tangible results from your marketing efforts without long-term contracts? Do you want people who are actually interested in your products and services to find you easily? WSI has developed in-depth knowledge and an extensive network of industry thought leaders that know your company's goals and objectives are unique. When you work with us, you not only gain the local expertise of your WSI expert, but we help you develop a strategy based on the digital experience of our global network. Work with a company that understands your business and provides real results. Find us at WSIWorld.com or call. 800-985-9567. Again, that's 800-985-9567. WSI, we simplify the internet.